Hello, Colleen. Morning, Michelle. I hear you were in Los Angeles recently. Is that yes, true? That is true. What were up. you doing in L.A.? So I went up to L.A. on Monday for, there was a meetup with Sam Parr, Steph Smith, and Andrew Wilkinson. Do you know who any of those people are? I think I met Steph Smith briefly at Founder at Summit. Founder Summit. Mm-hmm. And then is Sam Parr the guy with that podcast? Yep. Yeah. He's the My First Million guy. Yeah. And- yeah. That podcast. And then I Andrew Wilkinson, I know I know of him from Twitter, but I don't actually know him personally. He owns Tiny, which is a company that buys companies, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I you really passed that test because I didn't prep I didn't prep Michelle on this. She had no idea <laughs> what I had done. <laughs> so that was well done. Yeah, so um this is LA Tech Week. So I went up to LA and Got to meet some great people and go to this event out in Santa Monica where we got to hang out. And I had the most amazing time. Yeah. I think what was so cool about it is we live, I mean, I tend to surround myself with people who are like me and have similar. A lot of people do. Yeah. I mean, Birds of a sim- feather flock together. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there, there's going to be a big increase in, in folksyisms in my uh, speech, maybe. So it's all that. Hopefully not Danish ones. Uh, so, I'm just going to sit here and look at hay bales and listen to you talk about LA Tech Week. Oh my goodness. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so I went up there and right, I was talking about people. So. Most of the people I know have similar ambitions to me as well, which is wonderful. Like, these are my people. I surround myself with these people because I identify with them and we can relate to one another. But it's really interesting talking to people who just think on a completely different scale. For example, when you talk to people who have venture-backed companies, they're not thinking in, oh, I want to build my business to a million dollars. They're thinking, I want to build my business to a hundred million dollars in the next 10 years. I think it's like five to seven technically. And so it's just really fun and instructive to talk to these people because they're just, they just see things on a totally different scale. Mm-hmm. So I had a great time. Like it, it was nice to be exposed to that. I think I need a couple more people like that in my network just to remember that we can think bigger. You don't have to, but you can. And when you think like, if I want my business, cause I would maybe tell you, I want to grow Hammerstone to a million dollars in the next five years. Okay. What do I have to do to make that happen? Maybe I want to grow Hammerstone to $50 million in the next five years. What would that look like? And it's just a really interesting game when Aaron and I are starting to really think about pricing and offerings and, and how we want to structure like the business part of the business. And it's just a really interesting idea. When you start to think about, I mean, it sounds so cheesy, but like charging more and what does that look like and how could you do that? Yeah, I think it kind of reminds me of one of my favorite quotes from uh, Morgan Housel, the the thinker on um, investments and psychology and says how always know the game you're playing. And when you take advice from people, know the game they're playing too. And if it's not the same game as you, remember that when you take the feedback, right? And so I think it might be a helpful exercise for you of saying, okay, I think I'm playing this game of $5 million business in, what did you say, five years, three years? Yeah, something like that. Right? I think that's the game I'm playing. 
here, here's why I think I'm playing that game. And here, here are the decisions I'm making that lead to that kind of an outcome. But hypothetically, if I were to say I'm actually playing the game of 100 million in five to seven years, what decisions would I be making? And also, like, you know, what what are the downsides of the decision you've made to be five million in five years? And what are the benefits of that life? What does your life look like? What what does your business look like? Um, what does the product look like? Right. What are the what are the benefits and the and the drawbacks and, and everything else that go with being you know, go, going on that $100 million track. I think it's, it's, it, it can be helpful to say, okay, they are, they are playing this, this different game and they'll make different decisions. And some of those decisions or those actions that they take may be instructive or, you know, something that you can take from. And many of them might not be either. But it, but it seems like it's helpful in terms of like getting your sort of entrepreneur juices going to kind of think about strategy in that way, which maybe is, is, isn't is really something you did very much as, as a consultant. Yeah, I really, I mean, you know, I had this moment where I was talking to my, my new friend and he was asking me how much we're selling these license for, licenses for, and I told him $1,000 a year. And he like was not kidding, dead serious, was like, why are you not selling them for $20,000 a year? Like this, he was not being ironic. And I was like, what? And he was like, well, look, what is, when we look at this database, what Aaron and I are finding as we look at this is the hair on fire, really valuable problem is what we provide is really helpful, but the really valuable problem is fixing your slow database queries. I happen to be business partners with like a SQL expert. He has a course. He has released the Laravel equivalent of gems to like, he solved a huge problem in the client um, with this pagination issue, so much so that PlanetScale took his idea and made a Ruby gem to do it in Rails. So theoretically, could, there could be an offering where I bundle Aaron with the product. So for $20,000 a year, you get the product, we, Aaron installs it, and you get two hours of his time a month or something, right? Like you get we look at your new relic and tell you when you have slow queries. Like there's just other opportunities to really lean in now that we are honing in on the real problem. I just think there's other opportunities. But if we do that, like the people we reach right now are in our network. Our network is not a lot of, you know, $50 million companies and up. So to change the offering or to include like a bigger offering like this, we have to figure out how to even find the customers that would be interested in this. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I think when you're asked that question, or if you're asked that question again of why aren't you selling it for $20,000 a year, I think your response is, how do I sell it for $20,000 a year, right? Yeah. Because right now you, you don't know how to sell a product for $20,000 a year. Right. Well, that's what we were talking like, about. Like, like right. And like, you know, it reminds me like? of the thing from uh, from Never Split the Difference, a negotiating tactic is when, you know, you get some, I don't know, of course, the examples he gives are like, you know, you're negotiating with like a Philippines drug lord or something who's captured a hostage or whatever. But like when they've got some like, you know, demand to say, how am I supposed to do that? And I think when when you're talking to people and they're like, well, why aren't you selling it for, you know, $50,000 a year? And you say, how am I supposed to do that? Yeah, that's exactly what like, we're talking I about. I don't like because because the question is really not for you to be like, 
well, I don't know. Do we have the product features? It's the problem is that you don't know how to sell into an organization that buys things for $20,000 a year. Right. Like, and that's what we talked about. I was like, so we talked about, of course, the first step, which is what, what makes the product that valuable, but also honestly, Michelle, like legit logistics. Cause we, you and I have kind of back when you were talking about enterprise sales, you talked about when you price something, you think about the engineer who has the credit card, what's his max he can just put on that credit card, right? Probably not $20,000. Usually 500 bucks or less, maybe a thousand. So we have a deal like that with our client now and we have a contract because it's a huge amount of money. So, you know, when you look at like the engineer wants to buy it or the CTO wants to buy it, they have to go through their procurement department, all that stuff. It's a whole different, to your point, I don't even know how to do that. It's a whole different business model, but we've done it once and it wasn't that painful and it has a huge payoff. I think it would be interesting to ask these people you run into how they learned to sell into enterprises because I mean I mean I admit it's something that I've just sort of you know just learned as I've as I've gone yeah but I've actually I've never worked in a you know a huge enterprise right like the biggest company I've ever worked in was like sub 400 people when I worked there so Mm -hmm. the the dynamics of a company that is five people versus 50 people versus 5,000 people are so different and how they purchase things is so different yeah and it might be interesting to ask these people so how did you actually learn to sell into those organizations right I love it yeah and and it's just fun like the whole experience was really fun just like I said meeting people who kind of think differently and and we had not been seriously considering doing enterprise sales out the gate we it's a tall order it's a lot right yeah yeah but it's an interesting idea that, you know, as we build up, there are deals available. What what we can provide as a kind of package, this product plus SQL consulting. I mean, because when, when your database locks up and you're a $200 million company, every second is costing you money. Like that is a problem you will do anything to solve. If I can prevent your database from locking up by seeing these queries come through. This literally happened at our client. Before it happens, I mean, these people would 100% pay $20,000 a year to have someone be able to fix that, to have someone be able to catch that before it happens. Like, I have no doubt that that is completely worth it to them. But to your point, like going from knowing they would do that to actually figuring out how to sell to them is a whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I... You know, I've actually heard that. I remember from like customers of ours, actually, there was someone I was talking to a couple of months ago who was who talked me through their data pipeline. And, you know, just like in a factory, like if if anyone out there listening has ever read um, the famous business school book, The Goal, about uh, factory operations and how they how things get bottlenecked. Right. Like one step of that process gets hung up. There's just this domino effect that, you know even over the course of like 24 hours like that you know our customer ended up with like billions of records just in backlog that had to be processed because things got snagged but how do you tell that story and how do you position yourself to be able to tell that story is a whole nother question yeah I definitely think there's something there I mean I think to really grow the business and to grow the business quickly 
this would be a really cool move if we can figure out how to do it. And I'm not taking my eye off the ball. Like we have a lot going on. We don't have time to figure that out this month or next month. I mean, that's probably like a November, December, January problem, but I really think it's worth it to take that, like seriously consider how we could go down that route. And I think, I, I mean, the broader point is that $1,000 a year per license is not sustainable and not going to get you to where you want to go. Be. Like that requires a lot of volume. And the thing about your business model so far is that it seems to require you to have a call with potential customers before you sign them up. And as a two-person team that's also doing all of the development and everything else, like that's not sustainable. Like we would not have taken off unless we had our model, which was at least for the, you know, for the first six months, we were only just pay as you go payments, which like we, we just went high volume, zero touch. And then mm-hmm. we eventually added higher touch things. Um, mm-hmm. But it took time for us to even have the time to look at those kinds of customers. But we had the luxury of having full-time jobs and not trying to make it into a full-time business right away. Right. I just, I think there's huge opportunity there. And I think, you know, the cool thing about doing these things, like showing up to meetups, is it just takes one interaction to make it worth it and to kind of change the way you think about things. And it was great. I mean, I met a lot of other people. Oh, I met this one, this one dude. And he has, he's like opening indoor skiing and snowboarding rooms. No, simulators, but they're like, you're like physically on skis. Anyway, it was just cool to be exposed. It's funny when you, I know that was, you're looking at me like, wait, can you explain that again? (laughs) Okay. So I mean, I'm, I'm, this is from Denmark, though, where we literally have a ski slope on a power plant because there are no mountains here. So okay, so you know, <laughs> I think again, again, the thing I liked about this event is I'm very entrenched in my own world. So if you tell me you're going to build a business that's not a software business, I get really confused. Like, <laughs> huh? How do you Why do that? Why would you do that? Why would you is do that? that? Things sounds... you send them to people, right? What? That sounds terrible. Huh? <laughs> So <laughs> this one guy I met. It's not on the internet. He was super excited and he had great energy. And he is opening. Okay, let me try to explain it again. Remember like 15 years ago, rock gyms were not a thing. And then they exploded. And now there's a rock gym in every city in the world. Not mine, but yes. Okay, not yours, Kansas by the sea. <laughs> but the rest of us all have rock gyms. <laughs> and it's a huge thing. Like, we love going to rock gyms. My kids like to go. It's expensive, too. Okay. So his thought, and I think he's right, is that indoor skiing and snowboarding simulators, if done well, are going to be the next rock gym. Like, you don't see them anywhere. There's nowhere here. I'm in California. Everyone so it's like Nintendo here. Wii, basically, but for skiing. Right. But it's like he was showing me a video and you're on, you physically are like bindings, like you're bi- you're on the skis, you're in the bindings and it's, you physically are going back and forth. Like you're, you move, right? You're not just standing there, like moving your body, like your feet are moving. So you get all the discomfort of ski boots and none of the cocoa? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just think- No, that actually is, sounds really cool. I mean, especially like like we don't have any mountains here like I have to drive two hours to Sweden to ski like well I think so that's pretty cool I mean he said it's like really intense he's like there's like the g-forces are real like everything about it is real 
and think about it. Like, so I live in California now and I'm like, we've never been skiing. I'm like, I want to be a family that skis because that's what we do out here because we have real (laughs) mountains. Okay. And so I looked into how much it would cost. Okay. Are you ready for this? I have three kids. How much would it cost for my husband, myself, my three kids, we're close to Big Bear Lake, it's like a couple hours away, to go down to Big Bear for a weekend, rent ski stuff, take lessons? Uh, oh, including a hotel, right? Yeah. I don't know. $8,000? No, not eight, not for a weekend, but... Oh, for, oh I thought you for said a week. weekend. Okay. A week. A week okay, would be okay, like... Okay. okay, like a weekend. I thought you said a week. Okay, a weekend. I don't know. Uh, $3,000. Yeah, it's like insanely expensive. <laughs> If I could, I mean, it was like, I, it was so funny, Michelle, because I'm like, we're going to learn to ski because we went on vacation in Tahoe. We had a great time. I'm like, we're going to be a family that learns to ski while we're in California. And then I looked at how much it costs to rent the stuff, take, do the ski school, get the hotel, and it's nuts. It's nutty. So if I could pay, this is what I was telling my new friend, if I could pay $50 for a half an hour for everyone in my family, if we could learn to ski at a fraction of that cost on a simulator, like I, if, if it was here in San Diego, I would go like right now today. Is that how much it would be? Is $50? I don't know. Oh. He said he does half hour sessions. I forgot to ask him how much it cost. Hmm. We were real excited. Anyway, the whole point of the story about skiing is, <laughs> <laughs> is it's so funny when we record these because I'm like drinking caffeine and you're like ready to go to bed. So like <laughs> trying to osmose you my caffeine through the through the zoom um the whole point of the story is it's great to get outside of your network and it's great to meet people who are doing things that are different because it expands your worldview on what is possible so for somebody listening who's like yes this meeting new people things sounds really awesome and maybe there are meetups near me but um Holy crap, that also sounds scary. Colleen, how did you get all of these people to talk to you? Oh my gosh. Okay, first of all, if I can do it, and then you can do it. Because I'm a no, woman. You're a, I- you're a human golden retriever, though. <laughs> Thank you. I thought we I thought we changed my spirit animal. I can't remember. Like, uh, you're anyway. a golden retriever. <laughs> this, is- <laughs> this is what you do. Oh, no. So I was saying that because, like, I, I was at a meetup last night. I'm the only woman. I'm always the only woman. So it's already <gasps> awkward for me. Okay. Story of my life. People don't know, like, if they can talk to me or not. Like, they're a little uncomfortable. So we get real awkward. And... <laughs> You just like go up to people. It is so awkward when you start. But if you're at one of these events, people want to talk. So I literally like just go up and insert myself and say hello. And sometimes (laughs) it's the worst. And it's like they're clearly in the middle of a conversation and they don't want you there. And then you just walk away. But sometimes that's not what happens. And these people are also feeling incredibly awkward and have nothing to talk about. And so it's okay. So you basically just walk up to them with a tennis ball in your mouth. And you're like, oh, you want to throw it for me? You're like, want to be friends? Do you want to? No. And then some people are like, no, go away. And then you're like, no. oh, okay, somebody else will throw my tennis ball. Yeah. So there was one time when I went up and said hi to someone and it was awkward. I think that guy, like, it was just a weird situation. And then you just leave, right? It helps if you have an excuse. Like, you're like, oh, I'm going to get some water. But usually they don't even care. They want you to leave anyway. But then you find people where it's less awkward. And then, like I said, you're at a freaking meetup. Like literally it's in the word. Like people want to meet new people. That's why we're there. And if you don't click with someone, it's okay to, to just st- like be like, okay, it was great to meet you and leave. Cause they, you know, you don't have to stand there awkwardly and pretend to continue to chat if it's just not working out. 
You're so brave. Like, Thanks. the whole reason I got into giving talks was because I would go to events like that and not talk to anyone. And now when I give a talk, people come and talk to me. So I don't have to do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's not awkward. It's super awkward. And you kind of got to be in the headspace for it. Like, if you're crabby or tired, it can make it kind of challenging. But people are there to meet people. So give it a shot. See how it goes. Mingle. Mingle. Oh, man, I want to tell you something else about the L.A. tech thing. So Steph Smith is brilliant. Uh, everything she says, I love her. And she, you know, she wrote the book Doing Content Right. And she said two interesting things during her talk. She said, one, you have to be very mindful of the content you consume. So she only follows, I don't know, 100 people on Twitter. And she doesn't follow a new person unless she unfollows someone else, which I just thought was really interesting. And two, she was talking about the different kinds of content you can produce. So I feel like this episode in particular, we've been a little more chatty. Like we've been a little more ourselves. We've been like less super businessy. And she was talking about the difference between like blog posts and newsletters and podcasts. And she said, the reason you would say you listen to a podcast because you want like the business news. But really, if you're listening to a specific podcast, it's because you're there for the personalities of the people you are listening to. Yeah. Yeah. They're like keeping you company as you're walking the dog or driving or whatnot. So you'll remember when we started this podcast, I said I was all eye rolly and I was like, I don't know why every guy with a podcast feels the need to tell me his life story for 20 minutes before he starts talking about his business. You remember that? Yes. Okay. And I mean, am I being too, is this like too much? I had too much coffee or something. No, no. I'm <laughs> just wondering where this. you're going with that. Cause I wasn't going to out. No, we'll leave it. But I wasn't going to out you on that one. I was just going <laughs> to. <laughs> okay. So this is funny because that's, so when we started, I wanted to be like really, really business focused. And I did not want to be like chatty like I'm doing right now. However, hearing Steph say that it occurred to me like, you want to provide as podcast host, I think we want to provide a little bit of both, right? Like people listen to us because they feel like we're friends. Hopefully, if you don't feel like we're friends, sorry. <laughs> they <laughs> Colleen's going elsewhere with her tennis ball. <laughs> they listen to us, you know, because they feel like they know us. And hopefully we provide, in addition to some maybe interesting business insights, hopefully we're also providing like a situation they can relate to or something that makes them feel connected to us. And so I guess where I'm going with that is it, it kind of makes sense to have a podcast then that is business focused. That's what we're doing, but where you can also kind of be yourself and be a little more chatty because people kind of want to be a fly on the wall during our coffee chats. Yeah. I guess as a, I've thought about it, it was less about what, people think of us and more so that like our goal is to help people feel less alone in building yeah. a business myself included in that because this forces us to talk to each other every week which like I don't talk to any of my other friends every week that's so sad yeah well that's you know you move halfway across the world and you know that that's what happens but so I feel like that's that's kind of the purpose but I think also people do have good conversations on podcasts that are good to listen to, right? Like that's like honestly the one good thing about having to be back in language school this week, which like the stress of it is going to kill me, but um, mm. I get to listen to podcasts again. And so when I was, you know, driving there on Monday morning, which is 
basically 40 minutes through fields and you know it was like okay it wasn't just me in the fields it was me listening to Matt and Peter talk about what's going on uh in their businesses um on out of beta so yeah I, th- I think it just kind of helps yeah helps us feel less alone alone sometimes. I agree and I think also people have good conversations on them too like there's a joke I heard once um you know what do you call a deep conversation between two men a podcast <laughs> yeah and I think it's true and I think it like gives yeah. people an opportunity to have a good conversation with someone when they might not otherwise do that and maybe hopefully gives other people permission to do that in their daily lives right and to not feel like they have to have a podcast to have a good conversation with someone so on that note yeah where i was going with that which is exactly- yeah the very very little meta note there yeah. yeah i think you're absolutely right and i guess my point was like i heard steph say that and i was like okay it's okay if we mix in all the things, which I think we there's some episodes where we do. You do you feel like we're too businessy sometimes? Like are sometimes, we too much of like business robots. Yeah, I think I, I guess yeah. I'm just saying like I think that it's okay to be more casual. I think sometimes we are like really we're only talking about business, and sometimes we're not. But you and I have both noticed like the episode when I told you to stop washing your hair. People love that episode. <laughs> like um, I, just an update on that. I have not succeeded in not washing my hair. So, however, I did realize that it's like, you know what? I don't have to do my hair every day. <laughs> there you go. So if I can save Progress. 20 minutes of straightening and whatevering my hair and instead like try to put that time into working out, then like that's maybe, you know, maybe I don't look as good on Zoom or I just tell people, sorry, I'm video off for now. Pandemic over. No more. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> no more um, video. <laughs> Stop. Yeah, you get to video me. That's it. Um, (laughs) I swear to you, I missed like a walk and talk. Like, I wish I could, you know, stroll through the fields uh, on a phone call. Like, because I just think better when I'm moving rather than like looking at a screen that gives me motion sickness. But then it's like, you know what? So what? Okay, my hair isn't going to look great. Like, you know, today I just let it dry. Like, whatever. And, you know, then I can at least give myself 20 minutes back. And I joined a gym. Did I tell you that? <gasps> no. Congratulations. That's awesome, Michelle. Yeah. So we had this whole thing talking about going to the gym. And I was like, yeah, I got to start working out again and everything. And then we talked about it. And, and like, you kind of blew my mind when you said that you only work out three times a week. Because in my head, like, getting back into working out means, like, six days a week. Mm. And I don't know if this is, like... Uh, I'm like poisoned from doing like competitive sports growing up as a kid or whatnot. I, it's very like all or nothing to me. And I was like, you know what? If I just like join a gym and then I can join one where there's one near language school. So I just like hop on the elliptical for like 20 minutes afterwards and just like burn off the stress before I drive home. That'll be good. And then I was like, and then she was like, you should really join the adult gymnastics team again. And I was like, okay, so I can do that on Tuesdays. And then I do the like, you know, cardio on Mondays. And then uh well I should really work in some yoga to get some stretching in and then I would also learn I really want to learn lifting stop so yeah right and then he's like wait a minute you just like filled your schedule with stuff when you said you're gonna try to do something three days a week and I was like yes yes I I am so all or nothing and it's not good for me I have not actually gone to said gym so I'm a I'm a they they probably love me as a customer do you ever listen to that Planet Money episode on Planet yep. Fitness? Sure have. How they, like, they actively don't want, want their customers to, show up? to go to Planet Fitness, which, 
you know, I think about that episode all the time about our business because, like, it's so important to me that we get paid when people actually get value out of our product and that our incentives are aligned with our customers rather than being directly opposed um, to them. Yeah. I think it just doesn't feel right to me. Um, yeah, that's probably one of my favorite episodes of that. We'll have to link to that. I don't know, man. Okay, I so know, man. first. Where are we? This is like all This is the, the weirdest episode. Sorry, guys. It is. Yeah, and everyone will hate it or love it. There will be no in-between. Yeah, it's all right because it's our podcast, so I guess we get to do what we want. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, uh, about the working out. So I used to be like that too because I used to be a runner, and I used to have this like I have to run six days a week thing. And when I switched from running to lifting, I saw it just changed the whole way I view working out, and it like changed my whole body, and it was amazing. I'm not saying you should like learn to lift. I'm just saying right now. I want to though. But this is like lifting weights has changed my life. You can work out. I do really really intense workouts because I'm an intense person, so that makes me happy. But I only do it three days a week, and and my fit like I'm in better. I feel physically better than I did when I used to run six days a week. Do you still have a trainer? Uh, no, because I go to a gym now. The trainer was a COVID thing. She came to me. Oh, okay. So that's been life-changing for me. But wait, so you just go to the gym on your own? Like, this? do you get a, like, oh, a they're, workout? No, no. So they do. So my it's a very, it's like a CrossFit gym. It's not CrossFit, but it's like CrossFit. So you go to, they have classes. Okay. So you don't, okay. there's no just like going to the gym and lifting on your own. You have to go oh, to one okay. of their classes. Okay. Because I'm like, do you just like show up and then you like lift no. things? And there's probably somebody listening to it is like, Yes. I mean, you can do that, you but no, I wouldn't <laughs> start that way. So if you're interested in getting into it, again, this isn't CrossFit, but it's basically CrossFit, except they're not trying to kill you and it's not cultish, <laughs> but it's, um, sorry if you like Zing. CrossFit. I love to watch the CrossFit games. I love that show, but yeah, CrossFit wasn't for me. It was a little too crazy. Anyway, so it's super high intensity, but the nice thing is it's an hour long class and they tell you what to do. I think just showing up to the gym and being like, I'm going to lift weights today is like awful. One thing. Also, you said something I want to talk about for a second. You said the stress is going to kill me. So I know last week or the week before we were talking about you joining a gym, but what do you need to focus on from now to December? Because I don't want the stress to kill you. Yeah, I mean that's 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 going back. I, to school, I think I've right? been thinking. Yeah. Okay. And it's just tough because I have to do that all day Monday, Friday. And then I still have to, I mean, not only do I have to work full time because, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and none of us are working, you know, 40 hours a week. I mean, sure. Yeah, sure. There's, there's plenty of people who figured out the four hour work week thing. That's not me. So I'm basically trying to squeeze like all of my work in into less time or yeah. really, which means that it bleeds into the weekends and evenings which was cool when it was a side project and that was my time to work on it. But now it's like less cool and I just need to find a way through it. So I'm hoping that, you know, if I can, yeah, find time for the cardio or, I mean, I'm, uh, w once the weather cools down, I'm looking forward to doing ice bathing, which is oh, like, I'm so excited. I, yeah, I want to do ice bathing here. So bad. Like we have a, we have a sauna. So I'm like, sorry, I you can, have you, a sauna? Yeah. So I can like go jump in the ocean or actually one of the moms from school, she literally has a freezer in her yard and then you go in the sauna afterwards and it's so calming. Like we did it in May, which is not winter bathing, but it's 
you know, the water is still like 50 degrees in May. And you like hop in the ocean really quick and then you go in the sauna and it is so calming. And I felt super calm for like a solid 36 hours afterwards. Unfortunately, it's like 80 degrees here right now, which is incredibly hot for here. So winter bathing is not really in the cards, but I'm looking forward to that once the weather cools down and hopefully I can try to find time for like a yin yoga class or something. Okay. Can I, can we back up for one second? Okay. Take a breath. Yeah. I I guess the problem with me trying to de-stress myself is that I de-stress by adding things to my list. That's literally what I was about to say. Like. <laughs> I'm like, are you stressed? Ah. Like, yeah, and I'm gonna go do these all these other things. <laughs> I, was like, wait, I have wait, too wait, much wait. going on, so I'm gonna do more. Yeah, that I can. Now wait. that we say that, I realize that that is not helpful. Okay, yeah, because I didn't bring it up to ask you what you were going to do. I was trying to get. So you're back in. <laughs> okay, this is spectacular. So you're back in. <laughs> you're back in language school, right? Yeah, and that is. Every day? I thought that was Tuesday, no, Thursday. It's, no, no. It's Monday, Friday. I have to leave at 8 a.m. and I get back at 2.30. Okay. So it kills your Monday, yeah. Friday. You still have your full-time job, obviously, which is a business. So it's not, it's more than full-time. You still have your family. So for- So na- my side projects. What's that? Oh, I yeah, yeah. include this and that and my book. Um, and God knows what else I do that I'm forgetting. So from now, when does the language school end? Middle of December. I have my first part of the exam in the middle of November, which overlaps with MicroConf Europe, which means I can't go, which is like super sad. Sad emoji. Yeah. Sad emoji. And and then it should be over by the middle of December. But then I'm done with that, assuming I pass. Just okay. So you can't do anything. So I, basically, you just have to suffer from now to December, right? There's no... Correct. There's nothing yeah. you can and in do. And in the spring, I actually was able to go once a week which was okay. really good yeah but I think because I have the fluency exam this semester like I really need to try to go both days okay yeah just so I get it over with so for the next couple months you just have to grind it out like there's no there's no yeah. other option and I okay. and I think that's the thing is like I'm trying I don't want to look at four months of my life and be like I just have to survive right because like that's not just four months of my life. That's, well, first of all, it's four months of my life, but it's also like four months of my family's life. And I don't want to just be like looking at the future and being like, God, I just have to march through it and survive. Right. Which, you know, of all the things that could happen to a person, like it's not the worst thing, but yeah, I want to, I want to find a way to, to, I'm, I'm not going to be thriving, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I, I also don't want to just be surviving. What do you want to be? Uh, handling the stress appropriately and not walking around feeling like I'm constantly underwater in stress, which is how I feel in this moment. Yeah. I mean, that's a long time. I mean, you were, you weren't joking. You were just saying you don't want to just survive, but man, I had three babies and those first four months, you're just trying to survive. So I feel like there are times in your life where you're just like, we just have to survive this. And yeah get through I it I guess just maybe appreciate like the moments like you can like, find I was those thinking, little I was like, moments maybe I should do like a little like like people do like gratitude journaling and stuff like that which yeah I've done at various points in my life in 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 different ways and I was like you know what maybe I should make a list 
of three things that were frustrating today and then three things that were good and just try to do that again I'm adding something to the list but like just to like remind myself that's like okay you know what today was really stressful and I was doing all of this you know stuff and um had a lot of work to do but you know what I got 20 minutes of picking raspberries and that was really nice or or whatever that is have you done that before when I was in college, I kind of did a form of it where I challenged myself to do three nice things for random strangers every day. And then I like took notes on it every night. It okay. was my own form of sort of gratitude journaling of like, yeah, but I have not really, I think I haven't done gratitude journaling because quite frankly, sometimes it bleeds into the whole toxic positivity world where it's like, only think about the things you're grateful for because you should just be grateful rather than like... So I'm kind of thinking like, hey, like, let's acknowledge the stuff that sucked and then also force myself to look for the things that are nice and like accept all of these things as a cohesive whole rather than trying to just think about the good things that happened today. Okay, sure. I mean, I think the key with all of this, <laughs> all of this stuff. You do not seem convinced. <laughs> I'm not convinced. I think the key with all this stuff is different things work for different people. But I feel like if we try to find what works for you, that's going to add stress to you instead of decrease stress. But yeah, that's fair. I, I, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, sure. Gratitude journaling takes like five minutes at the end of the day. So it's certainly worth trying. But it's not gratitude journaling. It's like. Sorry. Right. Acknowledge. Self-empathy journaling. OMG. <laughs> Self-empathy self journaling. Okay. So I know you don't have time to read a book, but. Story worthy. I finished two books this week. So okay, so you're clearly still <laughs> failing at managing your time. But that's fine. It's a different no, problem. I think actually, if I finish a book, that means that I spent my free time doing something I enjoy rather than mindlessly scrolling Instagram. Was it a book about business? Uh, one of them was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. It was actually, you know, what it was. It was mm -hmm. obviously awesome. Which oh yeah, I do. Love we're going to talk about next week. Next so, week. You know, hashtag book club. We're going to, I'm excited to do that positioning exercise for refine. I'm excited too. Okay. Listen, I don't know what the answer is for you for managing your stress, but I don't think trying to add five new activities like <laughs> yoga and ice bathing and gymnastics and Pilates on top of your schedule is the answer. So that that's my feedback for you right now. I think that's fair. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Your, I, I think that's fair. I, I think you should try your journaling exercise. I think, um, so back during in high periods of stress in my life one in particular was during COVID I read Matthew Dick's Storyworthy and it's about this concept of any moment in your in your life can become a story and if you learn how to look for it and so it's not gratitude journaling exactly but it's kind of like find those tiny moments that happen to you all the time but you don't see them for what they are it's like David Sedaris journaling instead <laughs> yeah so I mean I and so I did that and I remember you know, it wasn't life changing or anything, but it was, it, it kind of forced you. It wasn't, like I said, it wasn't necessarily gratitude. It was moments. So they didn't have to be great. Oh, I'm so, I mean, that gratitude journaling, whenever I try it, I'm like, oh, I'm so thankful for, for my family. I'm thankful for the sunshine. I'm thankful for, you know, quiet time. And then every day I just want to write those three things down. So I haven't really figured that <laughs> one out yet. Um, but the story worthy book is about finding like really specific moments. Like I think one of them, and again, I, this was during COVID I, I wrote down stuff like, like there was this like really, I, this moment I would have forgotten where like a ladybug came in the house and my daughter wanted to save it. I, you know, just like things like that, that are just normal everyday things. 
but looking through the lens of like the story of my life become much richer in terms of their meaning. Mm-hmm. And now I want to go back and like, cause I haven't done it in years, but I did it like when we were in the deep COVID, everything was terrible. Now I want to go back and see what I wrote. I'm sure it was all cheesy things. It's so funny because my COVID journal is like, everything is terrible. Oh, my gosh. I really yeah. want to find one. I probably won't have time. Yeah. But anyway, I think. What is this? Is it a story brand? It's something else. What story did you say worthy. That? It's about story stories. Worthy. It's not a business book okay. by Matthew Dix. Or is it a business book? I mean. Find those small features that are worth writing landing OMG, Michelle, you're ruining my vibe here. (laughs) I'm just kidding. You're right. Hashtag content. Everything is a business book. (laughs) Anyway, it was just a really neat. So so where I'm going with this is I know I'm getting long-winded, but it wasn't gratitude. It was like little moments. What makes a story? And little moments that can become a story and and you know obviously he talks about because I want to get better at storytelling for business but he talks so it is a business book okay it is secretly a business book um but <laughs> <laughs> he he just talks about like moments and so that's cool so like jo- like our jokes about the harvest like that was kind of a fun moment you could write that down yeah like the hay bales are literally taller than my head right now and I'm looking at them as I talk to you yeah I don't know stuff like that but yeah. but I think I think our takeaways here is you you are you do just have to survive and every period of your life can't be super thriving like maybe if you, maybe if you change your mindset on this right like maybe if you're like you're, you're looking at these next that's so cliche to say like change your mindset. okay Ugh. I know it's cliche but it's like also cliche because it's true okay so in, <laughs> in unlike gratitude journaling this is a cliche that you like I like this one. Yeah, I don't okay, like gratitude right, journaling. Right. It's not Give my thing. Give me a tour through your 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 but, favorite cliche. But when you think, okay, mindset is, and I like, I hate the word mindset because it is so cliche, but it's just how you think about the problem. Like, so you have four months, if you think about it as like this, oh my gosh, this is awful. Every day is going to be so full of stress. That's going to impact. Yeah, that's accurate. That's going to wear you down like <laughs> so fast. I can't imagine doing that for Dude, four months. Dude, I'm four days in and I'm worn out. <sighs> But if you think about it, how can you think about it differently so it doesn't feel like such a heavy burden? I mean, can you think about it? Yeah. But not going in like a gratitude direction. No, not. I'm either. thankful for because the that stress. Feels no, very that's un- stupid. Invalidating. Yeah, right, no, exactly. no. That that I'm thankful for. I'm so grateful to have this opportunity to be stressed. <laughs> yeah. No, no. We don't want that. But no. if you, I, I mean, I think yeah. you've, you've got to. We've got to figure out a we <laughs> like we. <laughs> you've got to figure out a way to think about it differently, like. And maybe the way to think about it is just accept that it's going to suck. And maybe just accepting that will take away some of the anger or anxiety around the suckiness of the situation. Well, I guess that's kind of what I'm hoping for with the, the we're going to call moment journaling. I like of it. Like, yeah. not just writing down the good things that happened that day, but also the frustrating things and, like, acknowledging them to myself so I at least feel like they are spoken into the world and acknowledged, even if it's just on paper. Right. Because like, yeah. I think that's really important because I think when we go through things and we shove down all of the negative things, they just fester like they stay there. And if you keep trying to tell yourself to be grateful, you're just going to end up angry. Yes. And feeling exactly. incredibly invalidated. Yes. Um, and so I'm trying to be like, OK, like, can I just do both? And again, not being a be like, I'm thankful for my family, but like. I am thankful for my family, but like, you know, um, you know, I got to spend 20 minutes picking raspberries and yes, I was worried about them in specific. July and they're actually coming out really good. Like, yes. like something like that or Agreed. like, 
you know, I love seeing, you know, our dog, I like happily run through the field. Like, um, right. Stuff like yes. That. That's, that's here. Okay. All right. This yeah. episode was a little crazy. I am still like riding the high from LA week and I had an indie hacker meetup last night. So I have like a lot of energy. So I- you're such an extrovert. Like you are so energized by, by people. people. Uh, well, it's only my people. Right? Like, when you go to these other other people's people. (laughs) It's only people. (laughs) Like, when I go to, like, work social events for my husband's work, it's not the same. I have to work real hard. Uh, But, like, man, my people, I just freaking love it. So, yeah, that's why this this episode was all over the place. But this sounds like a good plan. We want you to report back on your moment journaling. All right. I will. Should we read the sponsor list backwards this week just to make it interesting? Yeah, do it. Can you do it? It's going to be hard. You're going to have to concentrate real hard. Oh, my God. This is like the alphabet backwards. I believe in you. Like, this is... (laughs) Go ahead. Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. You can become a supporter for $10 a month or $100 a year at softwaresocial.dev slash supporters. Mitchell Davis from Recruit Kit, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Jessica Malnick, Nathan of Develop Your UX, James Sowers of Castaway.fm, Arvid Call, Josh Smith of KeyHero.io, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Steve of Be Inclusive, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Anna from Cradle, Proud Mama from OppleNet LLC, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Lena and Alex from Recapsy, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Kaylee of Toslet, Chris from URL Box, Michael Copper of Newsy Proposals, Cam Sloan, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Ben from Consent Pit, Josh, the annoyingly pragmatic founder. I don't find Josh annoying, by I the way. I don't either. Like, Josh, I, you don't annoy like, me Josh, at all. Like, let's get you in. You new, always give yeah, me sage thing. advice. Okay. Onward. I don't find pragmatism annoying. Okay. Richard from Stunning, Alex of Corso Systems, John Coster, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Justin Jackson from Megamaker, Jeff Roberts from Outsetty, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Nate Ritter of RoomSteals, Mike Wade of CrowdSentry, Corey Haynes of SwipeWell, Ruben Gamez of SignWell, Kendall Morgan, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Remy from Memo.fm, Alex Hillman from the Tiny MBA, Team Tuple, Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Max of Online or Not, Dave from Recut, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Chris from Chipper CI. Good job. We should like put it in an Excel spreadsheet and just like randomize it. That's a great idea. Yeah um yeah it's 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 been a week i believe in you i know you do and that's the best part like you're you're the little golden retriever running around in my feet <laughs> you can like, do we it got this we do it you got it look you got it's it. amazing yeah we you got this we got it. this i believe <laughs> all right yeah we're so i don't know what's happening i today. i think you've had so much coffee at this point that you're you're like i believe i can fly stage yeah um kind of yeah probably <laughs> it's where we are but i'm enjoying it so i'm just gonna ride it all right I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality, Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Bright Bits, 
Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from the Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry, Nate Ritter of Roomsteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outseta, Justin Jackson, MegaMaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from ConsentKit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nusi Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, Matthew of Works Cited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabels, a community for Larabelle developers underrepresented due to their gender, Brendan from Feederloop, Pascal from Sharpen.page, Lynn Romick from Convini, Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.